Welcome to a new edition of Heartland History, the podcast of the Midwestern History Association. I'm your host, John Lauk. Our episode today is produced by Aaron Babcock. Today we are joined by Steve Paul, a longtime journalist at the Kansas City Star. Steve is the author of the new book, Hemingway at 18. Welcome to the podcast, Steve. Thanks, John. Glad to be here. Why don't you tell us uh, about how you got started writing about this very pivotal year that Ernest Hemingway spent in Kansas City? Uh, it was kind of slow in uh, in the making uh, and long in the making. Uh, back uh, as late as uh, 1998 was when I began my, I guess what I would call my formal Hemingway studies uh, at the newspaper. I looked ahead and saw the centennial of Hemingway's uh, birth coming up in 1999, and I pitched the idea of doing a special section at the paper, which uh, uh, we section. We ran a lot of pictures. I invited uh, Hemingway scholars and other writers, uh, including his son Patrick, to contribute to this section. Uh, we did a big graphic uh, that uh, traced Hemingway's uh, travels around the world and, and just kind of did a, a, a real big celebration of who Hemingway was and what his legacy in Kansas City was or at the Kansas City Star. So clearly I was at, Kim, at, at Hemingway's first newspaper um, I'd been there a long time without really uh, knowing much about uh, Hemingway's legacy there. But it was so again, it was around that time that I started diving in with both feet. I began doing some uh, initial research into uh, Hemingway in Kansas City and found some material at the in the Hemingway collection at the JFK Library in Boston that was essentially brand new to Hemingway studies, certainly brand new to uh, the consideration of Hemingway in Kansas City. And as uh, the years went on and as I remained connected to the scholarly world and uh, uh, many of the, the top uh, uh, academic writers about Hemingway, I went to conferences, I was invited to participate in panels, uh, which for me as a journalist was somewhat uh, brand new. Uh, Hemingway studies uh, became my own private graduate school, uh, as it were. Um, since I, I never did go to graduate school. Uh, I worked uh, for more than 40 years uh, at the newspaper and uh, always uh, considered this work uh, as being, like I said, my, my, my own private graduate school. So uh, in continuing to do research, uh, looking at the newspaper of Hemingway's time, uh, not just for to see if I could find tracks of his work in um the unbyline articles, uh, many of those had already been identified by previous uh, uh, academics and journalists. Uh, but I, what I was doing was looking for what I think was a context for Hemingway's experience in Kansas City uh, at the newspaper. Uh, just what was the city like? What was he encountering? There was crime. There was grit. There was uh, narcotics and booze. I mean, there was, there was, there was quite a world that he, the 18-year-old, uh, you know, recent high school graduate from suburban Chicago, was was exposed to. And the more I got into it, the more interesting it became. You know, for a long time, I kind of despaired about whether or not um, this research would lead anywhere, and where, whether or not. I could bring 
scholar, uh, Charles Fenton, as far back as the early 1950s, had the advantage of corresponding um, with uh, people who had actually worked at the Star uh, in that year, in that period when Hemingway was there. Uh, the thing about those, and, and, and he gathered uh, uh, material and their observations and their memories, such as they were, which was almost, which was, uh, you know, more than uh, 30 years after the fact. Many of those people really didn't have clear memory of Hemingway at all. I mean, he was a nobody. He was a kid from, uh, you know, the Apple Cheek kid from Chicago. And, uh, uh, but, but I had to, but as I gathered this research, I went to Yale's Meineke Library and uh, looked at uh, Benton's papers and found what I thought were in, in all that correspondence. I started looking for stuff that he left out of his book, which was published in 1954. He, he went pretty much deeper than anyone um, went uh, uh, af afterwards. And so I thought, well, there's some new material here. Uh, there's some things that I can use to kind of, you know, observations about Hemingway uh, that feel fresh. And so as I, as I began gathering that material, as I began uh, discovering the uh, at least 30 letters that we knew Hemingway had written from Kansas City, I began to see that, uh, yeah, there might be a book in this. Now, uh, I will say I had... Um, and for a long time, uh, I conceived of this book. I thought this book would be Hemingway in Kansas City, and it was only very late in the process. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking about just a year and a half or so. But I had this revelation, uh, mostly inspired by uh, a couple of biographers I heard at a conference who were speaking one morning about uh, about their. Uh, notable biographies, and one of them used the word universal. And I'm sitting in this room, uh, it's 8 o'clock in the morning, and the light bulb uh, went off, uh, and I immediately made a note in my notebook, uh, you know, as my mind began to wander from that conversation to my own world, that, wait a minute, Hemingway in Kansas City, nobody cares about Kansas City. What I'm really writing is Hemingway at 18. Uh, I think people forgot or forget how young he was. Um, and what that allowed me to do was to get beyond Kansas City and take the uh, arc of this story from that whole year, which uh, after six and a half months in, at the newspaper, Hemingway, of course, of course uh, joined the American Red Cross Ambulance Service and went to Italy and uh, was severely wounded just two weeks before turning 19. So that whole year uh, begins with, with what I call a summer of indecision in uh, this Hemingway territory up here in Michigan, uh, and then through Kansas City and uh, into Italy. And that, uh, that gave me what felt like a much more uh, compelling book. And, and out of that, as soon as I did that, I reshaped uh, uh, a proposal, formal proposal that uh, I had recently completed, and within two weeks I sold the book to, uh, to an editor. <laughs> really liked the idea. So uh, that's, that's a bit of the arc of the book, uh, the making of the book, um, and uh, there's more to kind of some of the discovery that I made along the way um, uh, as I write, um, I think in the acknowledgments, but and as, as, as I've been going on the road talking about this, I have to give credit to uh, a man named uh, T. Norman Williams, who uh, was known as T. 
friends at the Kansas City Star. And because uh, at the time that Hemingway arrived, which was uh, just a hundred years ago uh, from uh, this uh, this week, essentially, that we were speaking, um, Tubby was the young, uh, up, up until that point, Tubby was the youngest man in the Star. He was about 22 while well, Hemingway came in at 18. And because of that, he was assigned the task of breaking in Hemingway. And so we got to know him pretty well. Uh, and there were episodes uh, that I mentioned uh, in the book. But the, but the great discovery for me was, again, at the JFK Library, when I came across a letter that uh, Tubby wrote to Hemingway, um, just as Hemingway is leaving the newspaper and going to Italy. Uh, by this point, it's May 
And so it was not an urban experience that that, uh, that he had. It was very much a, a Middle Western uh, experience uh, for uh, throughout his uh, his childhood and uh, into his early adulthood. Um, you know, he, if he went to Chicago uh, with his family, it was uh, probably to go to the uh, art museum. His mother uh, was a um, was an aspiring opera singer at one time. She uh, uh, played, uh, she sang. I think she played the piano. Uh, she moved from that uh, aspiration to painting, and so she uh, introduced Hemingway to culture. Um, and she was kind of imperious, and uh, she also. Uh, introduced Hemingway, uh, or, or I think influenced Hemingway's uh, uh, characteristic of being sort of stubborn and, and uh, selfish at the, at the same time. But uh, you know, so he so he lived this. Uh, he lived and learned uh, to appreciate literature and art. Um, uh, even uh, while growing up in this suburb of Chicago, there was a river uh, nearby, the Des Plaines River, that he used to explore on. So the outdoors part of being from the Midwest was, was a big part of that. And you see that in, in many of the, uh, the pieces of short fiction, uh, the, the Nick Adams stories that Hemingway was uh, writing in Paris in the early 1920s, these sort of Michigan memories kind of bubbling up in various uh, in various ways. So Kansas City, um, somewhat more of an urban experience, uh, but it, and, and Kansas City was somewhat of a, a mini Chicago. Um, uh, yes, it was Midwestern, uh, but there were uh, uh, it, you know Kansas City was kind of a frontier town in some ways. It was it was partly eastern, partly western. And, you know, stood on the edge of the prairie. It was partly northern, partly southern. Um, uh, it, it was a crossroads uh, for agriculture and the railroad business and lumbering. It was a prosperous place, but it was also a gritty place. Uh, there were stockyards that kind of whose uh, odoriferousness, uh, you know, could this could uh, spring up and, uh, and and be smelled downtown. Uh, uh, there were, you know, the, the trains uh, belching smoke. Um, uh, there, there, it was kind of a, a church town uh, and, uh, and, a, and a proper town in, in a lot of ways. At the time that Hemingway arrived there, you know, you could, you could read uh, and kind of be in the midst of this you know, patriotism, uh, the, the Liberty Bond drives, the parades. The rallies, the things that uh, you know, he, he ended up covering, he covered military, including all that. But you know, so it, 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 in a way, you know, he could pick up some of those Midwestern values. Although he could sort of, you know, one of the reasons he came to Kansas City was because he had an uncle who lived there, and his father's brother, Alfred Tyler Hemingway, was in the lumber business, and he knew somebody at the Star and told Hemingway he could get him a job there. I think for a long time that summer uh, that summer of 1917, Hemingway uh, would have rather stayed in Chicago, gotten a job in Chicago. There's evidence that uh, that he tried, uh, but Chicago papers weren't hiring, and finally the, he decided that Kansas City would be a good option. Um, his uncle might have been a proper Midwesterner with, uh, like, uh, with uh, um, you know, religious values uh, as his father had, and uh, kind of a buttoned-up uh, straight and narrow, maybe humorless guy. Hemingway didn't like his 
another house uh, that he rented with uh, a friend for the remaining uh, four or five months of his Kansas City period. What he was looking for, I think, was kind of uh, independence. Uh, uh, he was looking for freedom from his family, for the ability to kind of say, this is who I am, this is who I want to be, uh, I'm going to discover the world. And, you know, that's not a particularly Midwestern value, I don't think, but, but it's certainly shaped by that by that experience in the landscape, by that experience of being uh, uh, an acute observer of, uh, uh, of life and nature. And uh, 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 I think that's, uh, uh, you know, that was really important. You mentioned in Chapter 2, William Rockhill Nelson, who was the founder of the Kansas City Star. And you also discuss in other places in the book the influence of the Kansas City Star and how it uh, had a circulation area of seven states. Mm-hmm. Um, why, right, yeah. why was the star so prominent and influential back in those days? Yeah, well, Nelson uh, was... Uh, uh, a native of Indiana and came to Kansas City in 1880 and uh, co-founded uh, this sheet uh, uh, as the Kansas City Evening Star and uh, really uh, thrived. Uh, uh, he was so successful that by the uh, turn of the century, uh, he was able to buy a- another paper, the, the Kansas City Times, and, and fold that into the Star's operation. The Times continued to operate for another 90 years as a separate uh, morning paper. Um, it was known as the Morning Kansas City Star. They also published uh, uh, into the uh, you know beginning you know uh, in, in that era. They published a weekly edition that was mailed to farmers. Um, uh, and, and rural residents, uh, that was, that's largely what went out uh, to uh, a seven-state area on a weekly basis. And what Nelson did, uh, Nelson was very politically connected. Uh, he was, you know, a civic leader in his own right. He, uh, he believed the newspaper should take a position um, on, the, on the good life uh, and on making a great city. Uh, he was kind of paternalistic in what he thought the newspaper should be, which which was, you know, some a, a really a, a cultural and educational resource for the community, or at least uh, I think someone put it to thirty thousand people in the community who were well educated and uh, and interested that kind of thing. Uh, but uh, so he was connected. Uh, he was connected in state and uh, actually to you know, Kansas City. Span is, is a two-state metropolitan area, Missouri and Kansas, and he was influential in state politics. He was influential in national politics. And uh, one thing you'll read about in the book is uh, because of his friendship with Teddy Roosevelt, um, in the year that Hemingway arrives uh, at Kansas City in 1917, Teddy Roosevelt is writing editorials for the Star. And, uh, Nelson had died a couple years earlier. Uh, 1915, but uh, his son-in-law, who was now running the paper, uh, had uh, twisted uh, Roosevelt's arm uh, to contribute uh, editorials to the paper, uh, which he did, and those were subsequently uh, published in in 50 papers across the country. Uh, One of my great regrets in trying to put this story together was that Hemingway never wrote about Roosevelt uh, 
during that period. Um, it's kind of a shame. Roosevelt was Hemingway's boyhood hero, as, as you may know. Uh, you know, champion of outdoors and activity and and travel and Africa. And they spoke to a lot of things that uh, that Hemingway became interested in. Uh, but uh, and here he was. Here's Hemingway writing, you know, articles that could have appeared right next to uh, to Roosevelt's uh, editorials. Roosevelt, of course, got a byline. No staff members of the Star got violent, but he could have boasted to his family, "Here I am, you know, writing for the same newspaper that Teddy Roosevelt was appearing in." And, and it's, it's kind of a shame that never shows up in his correspondence, or at least according to the letters we know about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You said, uh, Steve, that selling your proposal for this book became much easier uh, when you decided not to make it a book about Kansas City, but a story about coming of age of a young and famous author. Uh, Why do you think uh, this drew the attention of more publishers, and, and why and how did you ultimately settle on Chicago Review Press as the publisher for the book? Lisa with the same 
said she'd get in touch with me in two weeks, and two weeks went by, and I'm thinking, oh, well, then, uh, you know, I'll have, to, I'll have to try something else. But anyway, it might have been the next day, you know, two weeks in the day, she called me. I was out of town, uh, and um, oh, she said she loved it. She wanted to buy it. And so it's, uh, it's serendipitous. And, you know, I know that I covered the book industry for a very long time. I've been a book critic for more than 30 years. Uh, and um, I, I owned a bookstore for a few years back in the 90s. And um, I know how difficult it is and can be. So I'm still here without a, without an agent, but I had an editor. And she bought the book, and uh, the book has just come out. And, I, you know, do you I'm think my own. Do you think, Steve, that uh, making it or framing it as a regional book um, in its early stages, do you think that limited its appeal to yeah. agents and publishers? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I knew I, you know, at the very least, I could try and, uh, you know, one of the university presses in the region uh, would certainly be interested in it. I remember having a conversation with an editor probably uh, you know, 15 years ago, uh, who expressed interest in it when I was just sort of getting going. But having just uh, recently edited or co-edited a book, a scholarly book of, of essays on Hemingway called Poor and Ink, um, which is, a, in my mind, a really good book. Uh, some great essays out of it. it comes out of a conference that I helped direct uh, in Kansas City at the International Hemingway Society Conference. Last question, Steve. Uh, one thing that kept occurring to me as I was reading this book about uh, young Hemingway trying to make these decisions about what he was going to do and then ultimately joining the uh, Red Cross Ambulance uh, Service, what I kept thinking to myself is, given Hemingway, given his style, given his interests in life, um, why didn't Hemingway join the Army? And I'm thinking, since since we're talking about Kansas City, um, I think this was about the time that Harry Truman signed up to go uh, fight in World War One. It was that same era. But I'm just curious, why why didn't he make that decision? Yeah, uh, that you're exactly right about Truman. Uh, I think it was that very year that uh, Truman joined, uh, uh, went to France. Uh, well, Hemingway was 18 uh, the year that uh, the U.S. entered the war in 1917. Uh, he certainly considered it, uh, but he wasn't old enough to enlist, and his father didn't like the idea. Uh, he thought he was too young to go to the war uh, yet. Um, 
up next to him, but but it's always kind of down the road. Um, he meets, uh, you know, he meets and writes about a, a Canadian uh, uh, army recruiter, uh, and you know, he tells his sister, "I'm going to join the Canadians. They're the best fighters in the world." And uh, so he has all this this sort of you know this sort of chatter about uh, uh, about joining the military. Two things uh, worked against him uh, in addition to his age. Uh, he apparently had a problem with one foot, uh, and he had uh, weakness in one eye, which uh, I think came down to the mother's side of his mother's side of the family. And uh, there, there are conflicting stories about whether or not he could pass. Uh, he apparently could not pass the eye test uh, when he finally did uh, the try. Uh, he did join the Missouri Guard, the Home Guard, uh, the National Guard unit that had, that had formed. I think right before Hemingway got to Kansas City, the resident National Guard unit had been shipped out to France, uh, and a new unit began. And Hemingway did join that unit. He got a uniform. Uh, the, the, the Guard Armory was just a few blocks from his uncle's house. Uh, he trained. There, there's at least one uh, uh, training session in the park uh, uh, that I mentioned, and I, I found a news story about could could add some some color to. Um, so you know, he had the desire to join the military, um, but in the end, and there, it was kind of a long, complicated story that I that, that I get into about his attraction to the ambulance service it involves a friend of his who had spent five months in France with the, the previous ambulance service, uh, came back to Kansas City. Hemingway meets him in the newsroom of the Star and writes the story of his uh, return to Kansas City. He was a son of a prominent judge. So, you know, news about him was uh, was notable, uh, his return. He writes about his, uh, Ted Brumbach, the, the brand, writes about his own um, uh, ambulance service uh, and, and one particularly harrowing night in a very long uh, feature piece uh, that he wrote for the Star, in which uh, you know you just have to imagine that Hemingway is certainly reading this, but but maybe even you know by his side as, he, as he's writing part of it. But uh, so it, it was Ted Brumbach who, with Hemingway, helped decide we're going to Italy when the call came uh, for volunteers join the ambulance service and go to Italy. They went together. Uh, they joined, they signed up together, uh, went together. They ended up being uh, divided a little bit uh, uh, when, when they got to Italy, but uh, they, that close friendship certainly influenced his uh, service in the ambulance corps. Now, uh, along with that came an Italian uniform, uh, you know, uh, status as a second lieutenant in the Italian army, uh, Hemingway could pretend he was a soldier, and he kind of did from time to time, uh, much to the chagrin of you know veterans he encountered uh, while uh, recuperating at the hospital in Milan. But that whole that's a whole area of inquiry that's that's rather interesting about Hemingway as a non-combatant uh, trying to get the impression across that maybe he did more than that. That happened in not only in that war, but in the Spanish Civil War and, and World War II as well. And uh, it's, a, it's an interesting thread and, uh, that begins in that uh, those few weeks in Italy while uh, 
And mind you, Hemingway was still 18. We have been talking today with Steve Paul. He is the author of the book Hemingway at 18, published by Chicago Review Press. Steve was a correspondent for the Kansas City Star for over 40 years, and he will be speaking this coming week at the Iowa Book Festival in Iowa City, Iowa. I'm your host of Heartland History, John Lauk. Our show today has been produced by Aaron Babcock. Thank you again, Steve, for joining us today. Oh, thanks so much for having me, John. Uh, it's a pleasure to come. Thank you again for tuning in to Heartland History. If you would like more information about the Midwest History Association, visit us at midwesternhistory.com. You'll have access to information about memberships, news about upcoming conferences, calls for papers, and panel proposals related to Midwestern history. You might also be interested in subscribing to the print journal, Middle West Review, or reading our online journal, Studies in Midwestern History. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, and you can find us on Facebook. Until next time.